What is good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Bird Flock Podcast. We are joined by a super special guest today, the fourth overall pick in the 2015 CFL Draft, uh, now entering his eighth CFL season and one of the longest tenured Alouettes on the roster right now is Chris Aki. Hey guys, doing? Good, good. Chris, thank you so much for joining. Um, obviously, I, I kind of want to jump into it just very quickly. Um, I, I mentioned it just now, speaking in your tenure, you've grown into one of the most recognizable names and faces in, in Montreal football. And obviously, you, you've hit free agency a few times and always seem to find your way back to Montreal. What is it about you know the city or the team that just keeps you so engaged and connected here? So, yeah, I always end up finding my way back to Montreal somehow. Yeah. But um, no, I just really, I love the city. Um, such great fans of Montreal. I mean, such a, Montreal is such a good, um, good environment too. It's a great city. So much to do, like so much uh, culture there. So many festivals, especially during the summertime. And like um, being from Toronto and then uh, telling my all my Toronto friends and family how, like, how great Montreal the city is. They just love coming to visit all the time. So that's what really keeps bringing me back to Montreal. See the team as well. I've played with some great players over I guess the past eight years so it's been uh it was nice to get back to them as well for sure and so we spoke to we spoke to Tyson Philpot uh last week and we asked him his favorite restaurant in Montreal and he he has not dove in and embraced the city the culture the food anything like that do you have a favorite restaurant in Montreal since you've been here and uh, Tyson's too busy walking up and down St. Cat and saying <laughs> to go eat at a restaurant um I have a few I have a few uh restaurants I really like um Honestly, there's so honestly, there's so many. Like uh, I like wine and Gavinos. Okay. Uh, but I, I cook a lot, so sometimes I don't always step out. But um, we're going to like I go to like Moretti sometimes. Uh, Classic. There's a uh, I don't know, my realtor in Montreal is Italian, so he takes me to a bunch of new like uh, Italian spots. Uh, one spot is good too, Menno Carnudo. Menno Carnudo, yeah. Yeah, I honestly like that spot as well. Yeah, yeah honestly, there's so many good restaurants, like a pizza spot, like, I'm probably going to mess up the name, like Il Fosia. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. I don't know. There's so many great restaurants in Montreal. It's always like, um, like exploring a little bit. Yeah, amazing. And like we said, so jumping into the football <laughs> side of things, in, in 2018, you were traded to Ottawa midseason. Um, for all us non-professional athletes, what does that process of a trade look like, especially, you know, halfway through a season? Yeah, so actually uh, more than halfway through the season. Yeah. We had four games left in the season. Uh, the process is kind of um, it's weird. It's a little weird. Um, I know at the time, um, like it was a scout, we're on a bye week. So we're on a bye week. I was back in Ontario, and then I get a call be like, hey, like, well, I have five teams at the deadline. Um, right now, I want I want your services for the playoffs. And it's like, hey, we're not making playoffs here in Montreal. Where do you want to go? And at first, you're shocked because like you don't want to go anywhere. Even yeah. though even though you're losing, but yeah, we had a losing record when we we're making playoffs. So it was still like you have a lot of fun like with your team and everything. So yeah, and, and Montreal's a good city, but then you got to think of like <laughs> hey, business wise, okay, where do you want to go? So obviously, I ended up going to Ottawa. Um, Ottawa had a good team they were first in the east at the time we ended up going to the great cup unfortunately we lost to uh calgary that year but it's still a good experience just uh just to go this is my first time in my career uh, going to playoffs so that was nice so i'd say getting traded is like um it's like being is they like moving to a new high school uh in like in the very last month 
where it's like, hey, you're just showing up for like prom and graduation. <laughs> yeah, everything. It's like everyone been together all the entire time, but you just show up at that very end and say, okay, I'm here. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you gotta like make friends and everything, especially against guys that you were competing against all season. And you talk a lot of trash to them as well. And <laughs> then it's like, okay, boom. Hey, now we're teammates. Let's work together. But no, Ottawa was, they were super accepting, like those guys over there. So that was a good experience. And you ended up coming back to Montreal in the offseason as one of your, uh, you know, many re-signing back in Montreal. Did you ever have that discussion with the GM at the time that was like, hey, we're going to trade you, but in the offseason, like, let's run it back? Yeah, that was actually discussed. Like, hey, we're, we're going to trade you. We're good. Um, if I get an opportunity to get you back, like, I'm going to get you back. So that's, that was always that was in my mind. I didn't know for sure I was going to come back to Montreal, but um, I knew like the opportunity was going to be there if I wanted it, if I wanted to be back in Montreal. Yeah, and then one your only other stop outside of Montreal was three years ago, almost to the day, uh, you decided to go back home and sign with the Argos. Obviously, we know how you know the COVID season played out and you never actually suited up for them but what was that process like of, of joining a new team during COVID obviously you were back home you, you live in Toronto but did you connect with the team a lot was there were you guys meeting over Zoom or did you go in, into the facilities at all well yeah because I guess it was right before COVID officially hit right. and everything was closed down so it would have been like a, maybe a month a month before mm-hmm. um, so yeah I went to the facility I was working out the facility and everything getting to know uh, some of the other local guys that were in town and then um, we didn't really have too many meetings. We didn't have any meetings because it was still early. And then uh, kind of the whole like COVID hit and then everything was shut down. And then it was just like, okay, like we're just off for the year. Like actually it was so much uncertainty. We didn't know, hey, we're gonna have a strong season or we could do the bubble. No one really knew what was going on. And then I feel like in August, it was kind of declared that, hey, we're not going to have a season. So then um, it was kind of like, okay, we know everyone, hey, take the year off. Do we got to do whatever other opportunities you have or whatever projects you're working on? Go ahead, focus on that. Focus on your health. Um, and then the following season, because I was on a one-year deal, you go back to the table to negotiate again. And that's when uh, Montreal came back, kind of like, hey, we should never let you leave. Like, we want you back. So it's one of the things, like, hey, I like Montreal. Like, if, they, if the contract makes sense, I can come back. And it did. So that's, uh, that's why I came back to Montreal. Did you have discussions with Toronto to re-up there instead of coming back to Montreal? Or it was just like in your mind you were coming back back to Montreal if they offered? No, no I was, so I was speaking with um speaking with with uh, Toronto as well. Yeah, I was speaking with Toronto, then it just kinda like I don't know, just how the conversation was going. It just made sense to come back to Montreal at the time. And I obviously I don't regret that. It was a good opportunity to come back. Like um we we had a lot of fun in uh twenty that twenty twenty one season. Well, we really like turned our defense around, so it's a good time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, Dawson kind of brought it up before. Mm-hmm. Uh, you being one of the longest tenured Alouettes here, this team's kind of young in, in CFL experience wise. Do you take it upon yourself to kind of be a mentor to a lot of the younger guys? Well, I feel they're younger. Obviously, I do. Um, but like my leadership style is not going to be like that, like rah rah, like guy who's like yelling. Obviously, I'm not going to fake it if that's not me. Um, so I'm always like kind of like, but I'm always like guys know like me as a, a leader around as well. Like you know, the young guys come talk to me about anything. We discuss like game plan and whatnot. But um, we always have a lot of like good leaders on the team, especially on that defense. A lot of guys that'll 
that who are more of that like vocal leader that's that's stepping as well so it's not like hey this is this person and hey this one person the captain we all rally around this person as a this point there's so many good leaders on the team like every position group has a good leader so everyone kind of just like rallies around everybody whoever wants whoever wants to step up that day really has it yeah and i mean i think it was really represented how the team thought of you when you were nominated for the al cflpa rep this year obviously just the league in general um seeing that as that's you know a, a peer voted honor how how much of an of an honor did you you take that as to be nominated as that CFLPA rep for the Owls? No, I'll say it was I did it. I think it was my second season, uh, PA rep for the for the team. So it's obviously nice to be like um, recognized uh, by my peers that uh, like they want me to be the voice of the team for them. And I've had some experience with the PA as well. So it was always nice, and I like uh, I like being in that position. Like. I always get guys reach out to me when they were having me questions. I like being able to put them in the in the right direction. If that's like through the CFOP Academy for learning, like uh, to build other skills outside of football, or if that's just like simple contract questions or just yeah, whatever it is they need, so I'm always there to help them. Can you uh, talk a little bit more, like uh, elaborate a little bit more of what you kind of do as a CFLPA rep? Like, do you talk, do you go, are you like that, uh, middle point between the CFL and, and the players like a lot of us you never really hear people talk about uh, CFLPA and, and stuff like that so if you could just elaborate more on that yeah so honestly you're really like you're the voice of your locker room and then whatever like your voice of the locker room between the players and between like the front office as well like if there's ever anything anything going on like you're the first one that needs to step in to solve the problem like uh, if the guys have any questions or anything guys have any issues going on they come to you first and you deal with that if that's going to management or that's going straight to the the pa then um the pa executive then that's what you do as well and it's like yeah, like i said you're just a voice of your your locker room to represent your entire team whatever issues we have what we say we need to bring it to the cfl level like i'll be the person to uh to vocalize that amazing and then i want to jump into to last year a little bit so you missed a, a big chunk of time last year, and really, when you came back, you you were playing all over the defense, right? I think you started at Mike in the in the Eastern Championship. Um, is this the type of flexibility that you know, as a CFL vet, you just kind of anticipate and you run with, or was there a big adjustment period for you know jumping around the defense a lot last year? I feel like I've always done that, even like early in my career. So that's been like a big, big, um, I guess, a positive. Just uh, kind of the player I am, like in this play in multiple positions like in university I played the boundary half and then I get to CFL I'm playing safety and I'm playing Sam I'm playing Will I'm playing field half in practice so I've always like bounced around a bunch of different positions so um so being able to go from like Will to Mike to someone playing safety in the game like it really yeah it really doesn't like matter to me it's something like I have like that flexibility to do. Obviously, like there's some position that I'd rather not play than others. Like playing safety to me, like ah, playing safety is kind of boring. I will, I would say safe. Playing safe depends on the system. It's, Leave it to Dequa. He does it yeah, well. Yeah, playing safety for me is just kind of like higher high player in the post. That's like you can do it, but it's like for me, I'd rather be more like in the box, more in the action, uh, doing things like that. But like I said before, it's like going from like Mike to Will to whatever position they need me. It's like, it's not, it's not too tough. And uh, Noel Thorpe came back in, in the, to be the DC late, later in the season. 
Uh, did that make you bouncing around the defense easier because you're comfortable in that system? Um, I wouldn't say that maybe bounce on the defense easier. It's just like Thorpe knows uh, he can play me on multiple positions. So that's why I just, I guess for him, I was just like, okay, I know I can play Chris here, play Chris here, let him start low and then rotate high to the safety position, like whatever we needed to do. So we were able to like disguise a lot of things on our defense that way. Especially we have a lot of athletic guys around. So it's like everyone, no one really had a, a position. I'd say like near the end of it, because everyone was just moving around. We used to move around so much that it's like sometimes you can identify like who was DN, who was linebacker. Like guys with the D, we had we had Usher dropping, we had uh, Mike Moore dropping, we had a lot of guys, we had Mondo dropping sometimes. So uh, we had a we had a lot of things moving. So that's where that was a really good disguise we had. So what's the position Chris Aki wants to play? If you had to choose one on defense, what's what's yours? I know you said safety. You didn't really uh, enjoy yeah, doing that, it. but what's your, your one? Um, it's getting, not like I hate safety. It's just me. I'd rather be a, a more exciting position. Um, I love playing well. Um, I did play. I did start on Mike for about three games. And I like Mike, too. Like, people don't realize. Like, I think um, Will is tougher than Mike. Like I feel like when you when I move from like Will to Mike, it's kind of like and Mike is like you don't have to you don't have to do too much. You do you still do a lot, but you don't do as much as Will. I feel Will Will is a real hybrid position that um, maybe doesn't get as much respect as it should, just because you do so much. Because you're a DB sometimes, you're in the box sometimes, you're blitzing sometimes, so you got to do a lot. But it keeps things exciting, so I really love playing that Will spot. Awesome. And then in terms of, you know, this upcoming year, um, there's still obviously a bunch of dominoes that need to fall in terms of personnel and just the owls in general, but do you have any expectations for, you know, the, the team in general or the defense in general, as of today, you know, into this upcoming year? Honestly, it's really, it's really tough to say. Like, I really don't know. Like there's so many um, moving parts right now. So I don't know what's going to happen. Like it's still early. Like we don't know what's going to happen for agent-wise. Like, we, we don't know who we're getting back. We don't know who we're going to let go. So there could be trades happening. We really don't know what's what's going to happen. So it's really tough to speak on that right now. Absolutely. And uh, I kind of asked uh, Tyson this question, too, and he didn't really have too much of an answer. But your position group, you look at guys like Pickett and Michael Alway, they're both pending free agents. Have you talked to either one of them and seen where their head's at to, to see if they're coming back? See, I haven't, I haven't uh, reached out to them to figure that out. But honestly, at this point, like, um, I guess Pickett is new to the uh, free agent, uh, free agent period. Mike has been there before, so they obviously got to do what's best for them. Um, the only advice I have for anyone going to free agency is you got to do what's best for you. Like with football, being a professional athlete, like you have such a small window. They say the average career is two to three years. Some people are fortunate to play longer. Some people are, aren't are unfortunate. We uh, have to play less than that. So. You never know what can happen. So I, my advice is, hey, get get your money while you can. You know what I mean? Because once you leave this game, they're not knocking on your door anymore. Mm -hmm. They're not they, they're not come checking on you. They don't just have a job waiting for you. Like, hey, come do this. Maybe some players do, but not everybody. So I figure for my advice, anyone going into that process, just do what's best for you and your and your family, and your people. But uh, get get your money while you can, like because mm -hmm. at the end of the day. Teams like teams are gonna care about their best interests first before they care about yours. So do what you got to do.
So you're actually one of the only athletes where when I'm doing research for an interview like this, I type in Chris Aki, one of the first or second links that pop up is Chris Aki LinkedIn, right? So obviously you're fully prepared and um, obviously involved in a life outside of football right now. But um, how, at what point in your career did you realize, or maybe before your career even started that a life outside of a football, a plan B or a, a, a second plan is, is super important for you? Yeah. So I work, uh, so I do public affairs, mm -hmm. uh, specializing in government relations for Canada Health InfoWare, sort of like a um, like virtual care, like digital health uh, organization. Um, but I've been thinking about life. I don't even look at it plan B. It's more like... Right, that's why I corrected it, because I... Yeah, because yeah, it's like any athlete knows you're not going to play your sport forever. I'm not going to sit here and be, you know, let me play football until I'm 60, then retire and be like, okay, let me just go into retirement go mm -hmm. making challenge stuff that's not as much as we would want to do that it's not realistic uh, even though we've seen like tom brady try to do it but it's honestly yeah. there's that's such a special talent but it's not realistic so i've been thinking about life after football probably realistically since my second season okay just because you never know when it's going to end and you want to be able to set yourself up mm -hmm. right after so when to like transition into a good career that you want to like so it's really about just finding I spent like early morning finding out like what I like. So during the off season, some off seasons I would I would work a job just to feel like, hey, maybe I want to do this. I would take courses, um, be like, hey, maybe I'm interested in this. Like I've done like finance courses, I've done like business writing courses, I've done like random jobs, just like just trying to figure out what I what I enjoy. So as part of the journey, I'd say also the CFL PA Academy is there for all players to help them help them transition there we have like firefighting programs we have uh like pilot programs you can go get uh i think we have scholarships to go get degrees at certain uh, colleges and universities in north america so there's a lot of options that guys can utilize to really set themselves up, set, set themselves up for like life after football. Mm -hmm. it's just about understanding like i'd say biggest thing i'd say for players too it's like football is your job it's not your identity so there's so much things players can do outside of the game mm -hmm. yeah and so last year um obviously i forgot about it until you know doing a little digging but there, there was a big cfl strike last year and it, it went very close to you know the cutoff of, of of the season um and and i read an article that you were just kind of unsatisfied with the cba that was that was put forward how much of that cba and and whatnot is um centered around you know your guys's life around football and how they support you like that cflpa academy and things like that um i said cba wasn't really like centered around that i'd say the academy mm -hmm. the biggest thing like why i wasn't happy with the deal it was just um i just don't feel i just didn't feel like we were like fairly um i don't know i don't think there's always been a like a tough like uh the best way to describe the relationship i'd say between like the cfl and the CFL PA or the CFL, CFL and CFL players, it's kind of like um, big brother, little brother. Right. And like, or it's like something like, or like two step brothers. Like you might not like each other, but you have to work together. Kind of yeah. thing. You're still going to be family, but you might not like each other at all times. So it's about both sides want to win, but both sides are not going to get everything they want. So it's about really finding that, um, that balance where you can both be happy. And I feel like, the first deal we had, everyone wasn't happy. That's why the membership voted it down. Mm -hmm. So eventually the next deal, it was, little, it was more fair. Like we were able to get um, 
ratification bonus, which was which was great for for players, especially if you are putting in a lot of years in this league. It's nice to be uh, compensated for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I feel like that was like a that was a major thing. But I'm glad that we were able to not have to go on strike for too long because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like we all want to play football. Yeah, and, and for for the fans outside of football, how close were we realistically to not having a season last year? In your eyes, um, I want to say we we were gonna have. Okay. I feel sometimes it'll be it'll come off like oh no we're gonna really be on strike. But at the end of the day, it's like things will. I just didn't see the CFL uh, willing to miss games. You're right, especially yeah, after COVID season. Yeah, basically after a COVID year, it's like you're not you don't want to miss games. After a short season, you don't want to come out and miss games. And there's more than just the game. Hey, you have contracts with other teams. Well, they're like organization hey that's tsm like right you don't want to mess up that deal if we miss like football games so there's so much stuff like that so many other moving parts that are connected mm-hmm. but i'm glad like i didn't i'm glad we're able to get everything done For sure. and then we have a, what, i think a seven-year agreement so hopefully that can keep um evolving and getting better am i going to be around for that entire seven-year agreement no but um but i hope like <laughs> i just hope it continues to get better for the players, and after that, seven years, the league will just continue to grow and get better because there's so much competition out there now. You have what the XFL, you have the whatever the US, USFL, yeah. like so many other leagues. So I think the CFL needs to continue to uh, grow and just get better and compensate players fairly to keep bringing good talent over here because it's tough. You get a lot of American guys, then so you want them to leave their country to come to Canada to play, which it would just sound, hey, it sounds good. It doesn't, but it's like if they're going to make the same amount of money or more in the states, and it's like it's going to be hard to hard to get them to Canada. So there's so many other things that need to happen, in my opinion. Like I think it's always good to talk about. I'd love to see quarterback salaries off the off the books, off the salary cap. You know what I mean? Like keep that off so you can keep attracting quality quarterbacks to the CFL and be able to pay them. Pay them fairly because uh, we're a quarterback driven league. So, yeah, if their money's off the books, and that's more like maybe more money you can pay them, or also then that's more salary cap, there's more of the salary cap available for the skill position guys and like the guys in the trenches as well. So, I figured that's a good way to grow the game. But hey, I'm on that's not my <laughs> that's not my side of thing, that's more on the, the CFL. That's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Uh, the way you're talking here, you can tell you're a smart guy. And, and the way we were talking about you bouncing around the defense, you're, you're a smart guy on the field too. Uh, you were talking about testing a bunch of uh, jobs and stuff. Is is you ever being a coach or, or in the front office something you've ever thought about? I've thought about front office. Um, would I want to coach? I wouldn't want to coach pros. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, like, I just wouldn't want to coach pros just because you don't really have to coach pros too much. You just have to like, at this point, we've been around for so long. It's like, just give us a game plan. Let us go out there execute. Just help with all you have to do is really game plan for girls. Okay, this is what we're doing. First and ten, they do this. Second and medium, second along, et cetera. This is what they're doing, and this is the strategy. But I, if I was going to coach, I'd coach um, probably university. I feel those kids actually need more of like coaching, like skills wise. And I'd love to keep um, growing the Canadian game, especially um, the Canadian athletes. So I feel like um, back in the day, it always said that Canadian athletes weren't as good as American, but now you've seen that, you've seen us like really be comparable to American players. And just, we just grew up here in Canada. So we can you get better coaching. I think that is something to do with 
ex CFL guys coming back to coach in high school, coaching university, just to continue to grow the um, the talent. You see so many guys, Canadian guys, going to American schools and excelling there, and getting NFL opportunities. So I love to kind of contribute to that. But uh, yeah, I, I, I can't see myself coaching in the pros, but I can I can do front office. Amazing. And then we're gonna we're gonna get closer towards wrapping it up here, Shane. Unless you had any. Last yeah, week. I just got got one more question. Um, talking about Montreal and, and how you keep coming back in Montreal and free agency. Can you just give like a what, one little pitch here to to what you would say to free agency, uh, free agents trying to come to Montreal? Free agents trying to come to Montreal. Yeah. Um. Hey, you know. Hey, you know the city's fun, so they have to come to Montreal. But hey, like end of the day, I say, hey, get your money, like. I, there's really something I preach. Go get your money because you don't know how long this game's going to last. Like, I've been around great players that fortunately had an injury and then it was just like that. It was over for them, right? So then I've seen them sometimes struggle to transition after. And then once you – then sometimes the, the game doesn't wait for you. Like, the teams move on. Like, they're not checking up on you. And then they're just going to be, okay, like, hopefully you transition in life. So I feel like for any player, as much as, like, hey, if I'm in Montreal – I want to get the best players in Montreal, but at the end of the day, like, hey, go get your money. You got to do what's best for you. So I'll be—I'll probably not the best person to ask. I'm pretty, like, <laughs> I'm pretty, I'm pretty impartial when I say that. Hey, like, hey, go get your money. Do what's yeah. best for you. And but if you sign here, so if they do want to come, there you go. You know, you and if you sign here, Chris Aki will send you a huge list of restaurant recommendations. <laughs> On my favorite Putin spots as well. There we go. And then I don't know if you you managed to catch our little clip um, when we spoke with Will Stanback, but we ended off that episode by asking him uh, a little trivia question. Okay. And it's related to the Alouettes. Um, Chris Aki, if you can guess the price of one hot dog at a Montreal Alouettes game, what would that figure be? Price of a hot dog, Adam. Um, one hot dog. No combo, no drink, no chip, just one hot dog. Four fifty. Seven dollars and fifty cents. Seven dollars kind of robbery. I know. <laughs> We've reached out to Gary. We haven't heard back about re the hot dogs. I think he has bigger things to worry about. But yeah, Stanback said three seventy five. I think he was on the higher end too. And uh, yeah, no, a, a lot of shock when we say that. Yeah, no, that's got that's got to change. You yeah. know, so you got you guys to talk to Gary, talk to people at concession. Like that's a, we need more people on the stairs. You can't be charging seven fifty for for a hot dog. We need a CFLPA rep to to elevate this for yeah. us. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I'll it. I got you. <laughs> Anyways, Chris, thank you so much for your time. This was this was awesome. Um, like like I said, we can't thank you enough. We are super excited for this season. Obviously, like I said, a lot of dominoes to fall, but. I think all of us have, you know, really high expectations of this core and, you know, I, I'm expecting a lot of good things this year and I think it's going to come through. So we'll, uh, we'll see you in Hamilton. See you in Hamilton. Uh, see you guys. Uh...